The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Discover hope and healing from the other side. Welcome to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Listen, they're all around you, close as a thought or a memory. Messages of Hope. Hi, everybody. Welcome back for another episode of this show in which we try to explore the greater reality. And we're going to be doing it today with a very experienced explorer, William Buhlman. We'll talk a little bit more about Bill and bring him in. But I wanted to share with everybody, Ty and I are so excited. Many of you know we're building a new house near Hilton Head in South Carolina. And they poured the foundation today, the most important part. And we were there to watch that happening. And I'm going to tell you all, we're going to go back later after this show and if nobody's around we're going to carve a little heart in the foundation <laughs> just imbue it with good energy just a fun thing to do want to tell you if you tuned in last week you know that i was coming live to you from the monroe institute i'm back from there now but that place truly has special energy i felt it when i was there before taking one of their classes and to be back there teaching a class the same kind of energy was present and really added to the experience at one point i just began channeling spontaneous meeting my guide sanaya with lessons for all of us right on the spot about tuning into higher consciousness and bill buhlman my guest is going to be teaching a three-week class there later this year we're going to ask him about that but i don't know if i spent three weeks in that energy i they might have to tie my feet to the ground because i might just float away (laughs) but anyway uh bill buhlman is the author of several books we're going to be talking about those books today he is an expert in out of body experiences so i want to ask him about that energy if he experiences a difference there at the monroe institute he brings a refreshing look at how we can use out of body experiences to explore our spiritual identity and enhance our intellectual and physical lives isn't that what we all want he's best known for his ability to teach people how to have profound spiritual adventures through the use of out of body experiences Additionally, he's developed an extensive series of audio and video programs that are designed to expand awareness and and assist in the exploration of consciousness. This is my passion, this subject here. And I met Bill when we both spoke at the Afterlife Conference in Orlando last fall. I sat next to him on a panel, and as I heard him speak, I thought, 
of all the speakers at this conference, that's the one talk I'd like to sit in on, his upcoming talk on out-of-body experiences. And I sat in on it, and let me tell you, everything that he said resonates with what has been my personal experience connecting across the veil. So, Bill, welcome to the show. I can't wait to chat with you. Hi, it's a pleasure to be here. Well, I'm so glad you gave us your time today. I know you've been on a lot of television and radio shows, and so you're an old pro at talking to all of us. So I hope that I might give you a few questions as we go along that maybe nobody has ever asked you before. So be ready, because I like to try to do that. <laughs> but okay. let, let's go right into what I was talking about with at the, uh, the Monroe Institute. Are you there that class three full weeks straight or any break? Uh, no, my um, – that's – the class that you're referring to is an online class. Ah, okay. By the Monroe Institute, it's six sessions over three weeks um, with a workbook and six um, hemi-sync and sand meditations. So that's different from my normal six-day class that I teach at Monroe Institute. Okay, we could talk about that that online class later. That's great because I know they're limited in how many people can attend there, but online gives everybody an opportunity. Have you noticed difference in energy there? And if you haven't, that's okay. Oh my God, yes, of course there is. Um, uh, the very the institute itself is um, it's like an epicenter in some ways for uh, higher energy. Uh, it's almost like it generates its own uh, force field, so to speak. Uh, it's very what? high energy, and people feel it. it isn't, I mean, anybody that goes there, I, I hear this all the time from participants. They all, they all say the same thing, that there's certain, it's this very special energy about the place. Yeah, no doubt about it. In fact, the evening that I was channeling Sanaya, these eight deer came and they just walked up in this foggy, foggy as dusk was falling. It was absolutely magical. But enough about the Monroe Institute. Let's hear more about you. Uh, what led you to explore multidimensional consciousness? Well, I, to make a long story short, a friend of mine had a spontaneous out-of-body experience. I was not a believer in the topic at all. I was in college studying uh, logical subjects like psychology, and uh, and he had this profound, ex life-changing experience that I wanted to have the same experience. So I began to explore the topic, and I figured if he could do it, I can do it. Uh, so I found that there were ways to self-initiate out-of-body experiences, which even today many people are unaware of, safely self-initiate. And I did that over a period of 24 days, and on the 24th day I had my first out-of-body experience. And it was so you set, you set the – I'm sorry, I interrupted you. What did you say? Uh, it was it, – and it's, it's a life-changing experience. Because suddenly you become a knower instead of a believer. It's, huh. And it's, it sounds cliche, but there's a world of difference between having the experience and reading about the experience and believing in this experience. It changes you in ways that are difficult to even uh, communicate. Well, that sounds like a near-death experience. I've interviewed quite a few people on this show who've had NDEs, and 
Why don't you yeah, tell so I, us about that first experience? What was so profound? What what helped this two part question and what helped you know this wasn't just your imagination or a dream, which is so many people's struggle? Well, for me, it was number one I, when I I was doing the technique to self initiate. I was doing what I today call the target technique, and um, I was asleep on my side, and I became aware laying on the side in this twin bed. In this, I was in a college dorm, and when I reached out, my I you feel different. It's higher energy. It's hard to describe that, but when I reached out my arm and hand, my hand and arm entered the wall. And that's when it hit me, like, oh, my God, I, I did it. I did it. And I saw them standing, and the next thing I know, I'm standing by at the foot of my bed looking down on this lump that was my body. And it was 100 this is not dreamlike. This is 100% fully conscious, fully aware. And I'm, I'm, it, it's shocking. I must admit, I was quite shocked by the entire experience because I, I, I had no previous experience in this. And it, it's life-changing because then you realize, oh, my God, I'm not my body. I'm, I'm so much more than my body. But more importantly, you realize if I can self-initiate this experience, that means it's repeatable. Near, right. Nobody wants to repeat a near-death experience. <laughs> but the, but the beauty of OBEs is that you find out it is repeatable in a safe way, and you can begin to explore these other dimensions in full consciousness. That's what makes it so special and so profound, and in many ways, way more meaningful than just a single near-death experience. Because people carry their, their this to say, their own belief baggage with them into that experience. Where with, when you repeat the experience, you have an opportunity to truly explore and discover things that you can't in a single experience. And it broadens your perception of reality far beyond what you'd ever get from one experience. That's what makes self-initiated OBE so, I feel, incredibly powerful and meaningful. Well, you're doing to me exactly what you did to me when I sat in on your talk at the Afterlife Conference. I bought your series of CDs and I listened to a few of them. And I have to admit that due to lack of time, I didn't follow through on it. But now I'm ready to get back into it again and pull them, pull them back out and listen again because it sounds so enticing. What is what would you say is the difference between that and lucid dreaming? A lucid dreaming is uh, like a low-powered event compared to an OBE. It's like you're watching. It's for use an analogy. It's it's almost like you're watching a ball game instead of being an active participant in the ball game. Uh, it's it's it's. I'm a lucid dreamer, and it's a totally. It's. I feel there's a spectrum of consciousness or a continuum of consciousness. Mm-hmm. And I feel that everything is connected. I know this from experience. Right. Dreams, whether lucid dreams, OBEs. To me, a lucid dream is an incredibly low-powered out-of-body experience. Okay. You don't have control. For lack of, I think that is as clear as I could make it. And you have, and I, I teach this in my six-day workshop at Monroe. 
how to upgrade a lucid dream to an OBE. Hmm. Wow. So how much control do you have in an OBE? Say, I want to go visit here, I want to go there, I want to do this or that. Yeah, you, you, have, you have amazing control. You can fly. You can walk through walls. There's actually only limits that exist are the limits of your own subconscious mind. And this is what I have to, people have to be aware of. If you're, um, if you, because we take our full state of consciousness with us. And if you, you have ingrained limits about your capabilities, you'll carry those limits with you. But if you don't, if you realize after a while, oh my God, I can fly. You can fly. Because there's no limitation to soul. There's no limitation to consciousness. We humans live in their own self-made box of limits. And we all create limits around ourselves because society and culture has trained us from the, our birth to be limited beings. You know, we're limited by our, even our gender. We've been taught that we're biological beings and that we have limitations we see like animals. You follow me? I mean, we've been oh, yeah. programmed severely from the moment we're born for limits. But we take it for granted because everyone around us has the same limits. But what is, what unfortunately, and that continues today, religions teach fear often. They teach limits. They teach uh, that you have to depend on a belief system to, to achieve, let's just say, liberation. And I know, and many of us know, that that's, that's a total bogus lie. Yeah. We're all immortal, powerful, spiritual beings, but we have to re begin to reprogram ourselves to our full potential. And out-of-body experiences awaken us to that potential. So... People who have studied in my mediumship class with me would understand when I say that it's really our BS that gets in the way, and that's just an acronym for belief system. Absolutely. And people take it for granted. The most um, limiting thing and the negative thing that impacts our lives is our belief system. And we take it for granted because everyone around us accepts the same belief system. So we take it as a norm. And we don't even challenge, most people don't, I mean, let's face it, most people never even challenge it. Most people don't even examine their beliefs. <laughs> I hey. challenge it every day, Bill, because it's so exciting. Once you touch that greater reality, you start to look and say, where am I holding myself back? And you said that your roommate had a spontaneous OBE, and then you practiced 24 days in a row. So I'm thinking, so it might take 24 days, but I'm actually hearing that it's going to be different for everybody. Is that accurate? Yes, everyone is different uh, in the length of time you have to overcome your own self-programming your own let's and uh, so i don't sugarcoat this i don't i'm very practical person i teach um my entire course is based on practical proven methods but it takes time to reprogram a lifetime of bs that we've all accepted and it takes some time you have to really work on yourself and is, uh, let's face it, a lot of people don't want to do that. It's, it's challenging to confront your own BS. 
And the problem is that almost everything, even the idea of gender, we, 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 we put everything in a box. You know, you're a female, I'm a male. But it's consciousness or soul. There's no gender. There's no time. There's none of the things that we assume is reality. It's, it's only a temporary construct in the physical. And it, that, it sounds theoretical, but once you have the experience, it's mind-blowing because you realize, oh, my God, I'm, I'm not a biological being. I'm not form-based. I'm not even a human. Consciousness has the ability to take on any form needed to experience and evolve. Yeah. But people don't want to go there sometimes because it pushes up against their belief systems. So let's go there. I've heard somebody say, well, we as a soul chose this experience in a body for the experience. Why do we want to leave our body? I, I, I do agree with that. I think that the body provides a valuable opportunity for growth. But that doesn't mean that you're limited to that vehicle for growth. Mm-hmm. I mean, imagine if um, no one ever crossed the Atlantic Ocean. Because it was scary or because it was strange or unusual. I mean, it took courage to do that, didn't it? I mean, it took real courage. Hey, you do know that I actually sailed across the Atlantic with my husband and my dog, Rudy. (laughs) And it did take courage. Oh, my God, yes. Once that horizon (laughs) is gone, it gets scary. But so you know what what I mean. Oh, yeah. Courage to break out of the old... uh, Let's just say patterns that we have and to explore your full potential. Now, the thing is that people, humans in general, have a tendency, and this sounds derogatory, but we have a tendency to be herd animals. We have a tendency to follow the crowd and Mm -hmm. to want to fit in. And here's the issue. The answers are not found that way. If you want to know what you are, and where you're going, and what you are, you know, the vast majority of humans have no idea what happens when they die. No idea. Clueless. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like everybody's on this 80-year journey, 90-year journey, and they have no idea where the hell they're headed. That is extremely weird, I think. <laughs> I, I hope that after the break we get to talk about some of your travels across the veil because I know that you've done that. But um, yeah, so you're saying just be an explorer and and it helps you to know who you are. I love that because in meditation yeah. we can come to know who we are as just this pure being that just becomes uh, the blank sky. But you say that we can have untold adventures. Absolutely, and that's what makes it exciting. I mean, life is an exciting adventure just to discover your true self. And people don't, it's, it's still, a, um, it's kind of just, I think humanity is wakening to that idea of, mm-hmm. that, of the excitement and the potential of us. But it's an exciting journey. Buddha talked about it. I mean, there's, there's certain individuals brought this forward, but the vast majority of people are just stuck in, um, let's just face it, a a repetitive cycle of no knowledge of self 
and it's exciting to discover what you are. And so from your experience, you've taught many, many people how to do this. What percentage of those who set the intention, open up their belief system to have an out-of-body experience actually have a full-fledged one like the kind you're describing? I, I, I honestly wouldn't know the exact number. I would say it's, uh, if somebody is very dedicated, I would say probably 70%. Uh, because remember, I don't care who you are, you're, you still have to overcome a lifetime of physical programming. And that is a daunting journey of consciousness. It's not, uh, and so it does take some self, you have to work on yourself. And a lot of people don't invest uh, the time and uh, just the energy required to do this. And I'm just, I'm being practical about it. But Mm -hmm. those that really do, um, I would say it has to be 70, maybe even 80% of people will have the experience. That's well worth the effort. Now, you said something just then that caught my attention. You you said people have to overcome a lifetime of physical programming. I would have thought it was mental programming. Would you explain that? that? What I mean, physical world programming. Okay. All the programming associated with the physical world. Um, And, of course, 90% of that is mental. The limits, the fears have. Fear is the biggest obstacle. And unfortunately, many religions are incredibly fear-based. I mean, who gave it? What, what, what wonderful organization created this idea of eternal hell and damnation? How fear-based can you get? I mean, come on. It, of course, none of that is real. It was a carrot and a stick to sell their uh, program. And it so was. you've... You, are you, tell us, are you speaking from experience, and what have you discovered then? Have you been to places that are scary? What, what do we have to look forward to if we go traveling out of our body? People will experience often a reflection of their own inner selves initially. Mm-hmm. And that's what, for many people, is a little scary. For instance, for those that believe in, uh, and I'm just being totally uh, upfront about this, if you've been totally programmed in a fear-based environment your entire life, in other words, the idea of some evil entity and fear-based beliefs have totally dominated your life, um, what do you, when we leave our bodies, we're entering a very thought-responsive environment. Right. And that's what people forget. We are not objective observers of reality in the non-physical. We are active participants. And that's often forgotten by a lot of these teachers that are out there. And in other words, we often will create the environment around us and the experience that we encounter because we're entering a highly thought response. All non-physical realities are highly thought-responsive. 
Well, Bill, what's so interesting about this is that you're just describing the afterlife, really, because this is what the souls I talk to who have passed as a medium, it's the exact same thing that they tell us. That's what their new world is like. So you are talking about a way for all of us to experience the afterlife before we pass, basically a safe NDE, like you said. Oh, absolutely. I've spoken to my, I've had many, many face-to-face conversations with uh, dead ones, including my mother, my uncle, mm. and others. And, I mean, we're talking face-to-face, not, not, I'm, which is quite a different experience than going through a psychic. Uh, for instance, my mother, who died when she was in her 70s and quite overweight, when I met her out of body, she was in her prime, I would say 25 years old, and radiantly beautiful. <laughs> and so it's a whole different game because when people often, when people move on, or whatever term that you like to use, um, our self-conception will mold our energy body. And in other words, and that's not talked about enough, I think. We are the creative force in non-physical reality in many ways. And we are molding through our subconscious thoughts, even our very body. I'm talking about in the non-physical realm. Mm -hmm. That's why many people that have died, they're no longer, for instance, you no longer have to be blind or crippled after you die. Unless you believe that's your only, that's you. Mm -hmm. you I'm sure you've run into this. People oh, yes. that die, or they, they, don't, they don't take their physical issues with them. They, the point is here that we create our personal and collective often. We are participants in non-physical reality. And this is not discussed enough. Because this is why it's important to take responsibility for your own thoughts and your own attitudes. Because you are the one molding your reality. Especially this is true in non-physical reality. Because it occurs, you know, much faster than in the physical. Right. That's why this uh, this school here, this our school here is so challenging. Because our lessons don't always show up right away. But across the veil, they certainly do. Oh, no. It's, it's a slowed down molecular reality. Where in the non-physical, things happen very quickly. So, exactly. Yes, it takes a while. That's why people don't, they repeat the same lessons. They're just in a different form. All right. Well, we are talking with Bill Buhlman about astral travel. His website is astralinfo.org. So many questions I have for you, Bill, when we come back after the break. Y'all come back and join us. How'd you like that y'all here from South Carolina? Come on back after the break. Practical spirituality. Positive messages. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world.
You're listening to Unity Online Radio. This programming is made possible through the generous donations of listeners like you. If you feel inspired by this programming, we invite you to contribute. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate to make your offering today. Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Mindful Moment with Eric Butterworth, taken from the live lecture, A Course in Practical Metaphysics. Emily Cady, in her Lessons in Truth, makes a statement which I think we need to kind of think about a little bit. She says, God is not a being with qualities or attributes, but he is the good itself coming into expression as life, love, power, wisdom, etc. He is the good itself coming into expression as life, love, power, and wisdom. In other words, and this again is, is shattering to some of us, God is not loving. Ah, God is a loving God. God is not loving. Because the moment we talk about God is loving, we've got the anthropomorphic Michelangelo like God sitting up in a crowd somewhere with his heart beaming out and saying, Oh, I love you all down there, see you so dearly, as long as you're good. But I'm not going to love you very much if you don't go to church and so forth. God is not loving. God is love. To find out more about Eric Butterworth, visit unity.org. Join Travel with Unity 2020 for a transformational trip to Rome and the Amalfi Coast, March 26th to April 4th, and explore the culture, myths, and spiritual significance of Southern Italy. You'll experience the history of the ancient ruins of Pompeii, visit the Vatican, and spend time on the beautiful Amalfi Coast during this 10-day tour. Just 40 seats are available and space is limited, so reserve your trip before September 15th. Go to unity.org travel for more information today. Did you know you can reach Unity's 24-7 prayer ministry online? You don't even have to give your name to know the prayers have begun for you or those you love. Someone has been praying around the clock at Silent Unity since 1890, and every request is taken into prayer for 30 days. Why not let us pray with you, too? To submit your prayer request to Silent Unity online, go to unity.org and click on prayer, or call 816-969-2000. Liz Dawn, CEO of Celebrate Your Life, has been presenting live events with some of the world's leading spiritual teachers for over 23 years. Liz is sharing some of these classic lectures every Monday at 10 a.m. Central on the Celebrate Your Life Hour. Join Liz as she shares memories of working with people like Dr. Wayne Dyer, Caroline Mace, Denise Lynn, and many others. These talks have never been heard on the air before. Listen exclusively on UnityOnlineRadio.org. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back. You're listening to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Boy, didn't that first half hour go fast. We are talking with William Buhlman. Many of you recognize his name when I put the announcement on Facebook that we'd be talking with him today. And Bill, you'll like to hear that one of my Facebook followers wrote, Fantastic guest. By reading his books, How to Induce Out-of-Body Experience, I am now able to produce it once a week. It took discipline, but it does work if you stick with it. So, Bill, how often do you travel out-of-body? 
Uh, it varies depending on how involved I am in the physical world. Um, uh, but I would say it's probably about once every two weeks or so in that at this point. Uh, and when do, I was in, yes. Yeah. Do you have an intention or do you just say, let's see where we go today? No, I, it's spontaneous. Once you condition yourself, things happen spontaneously. I mean, I occasionally, I don't do techniques on a regular basis like I used to. Um, and when I, I was having, uh, when I did, I had more experiences. Uh, but now they're mostly spontaneous. It'll, once you open yourself to the possibility, to the potential, and you're no longer fearful, that's where the big block is fear. Uh, okay. A lot of subconscious fear. But once you get over that fear barrier, things just happen. And you're suddenly, you find yourself in different environments. And then you have to train yourself to stay calm. A lot of this is training yourself to be aware of the phenomena associated with an out-of-body experience, like vibrations and um, what many people consider like a, a temporary paralysis. You're laying in your bed and you can't move your body. That's that's an indication you're about to have an OBE. Seeing through closed eyelids. There's a lot of physical-like, or what people perceive as physical, indications that you're on the cusp of an out-of-body experience. But people don't today. Most people are not educated on what these are. And they hear, instead of reacting calmly, fear builds. Because it's it's an unknown. So and does it for you? Do, are you mostly just you'd be lying in bed or just waking up and suddenly you have these signs and do you just think, oh, here we go and go with it? Yep, that's at this point. Yes, uh, it's early in the morning for me. It's typically early in the morning. I'll wake up. Uh, what I would perceive, become aware, and I feel often like a mild vibration, um, and. Um, uh, for lack of a better word, you feel lighter. I, I can only describe this for myself. And then I, I just react calmly, and I direct my attention away from my body. That's the key. People don't know. That's why I do a six-day class. I train people on how to respond properly. A lot of people, this is not unusual to them. That's what I like to emphasize. This is a natural experience that people have. You know, think about it. People don't really equate this, but, you know, we, if we are not our bodies, everybody would agree to this. You're yeah. only in the body for a temporary period of time, so obviously we're not our bodies. So then naturally, we are non-physical beings, however you want to perceive it. So it's only natural that we would experience our true self beyond the body. I think that's a logical statement. And so, in, in doing so, it happens naturally for people. The problem is that people don't know how to react because you have to direct your attention away from your body to initiate an out-of-body experience. Otherwise, you'll just lay there seeing through closed eyelids or lay there uh, what you would perceive as sleep paralysis because you're disconnected from the body. Yeah. And, of course... People are terrified. This is where sleep paralysis 
leads to sleep terrors. People are terrified of this event. And why? So because of lack of knowledge in our society and culture. The vast majority of people throughout the world have never been taught how to respond to these events. So, of course, they think, you immediately think in a negative way, and fear starts to build, and then you're done. You're locking yourself in, but your own fear is limiting yourself. So, for instance, children have these experiences quite commonly. My, Mm. uh, My second book goes into this about the prevalence of children's out-of-body experiences before puberty is incredibly high. But parents don't want to hear that. What do they do? They call it a dream. Oh, that was just a dream. Mm-hmm. They blow it off. My point so is, do, these are natural experiences. Do we really leave the body? And if so, who's taking care of the body? The body's taken care of automatically because we're multidimensional beings. Uh, there's no concern there. Our consciousness, it's not our full consciousness leaving. We're multi, yeah. We're actually operating, I don't want to get too deep here, but I, I write about this. I have four books out, mm-hmm. and I write about this in some detail. We're multidimensional beings. We're far more than body, mind, spirit, as many people would have alluded to. We're, we're amazing multidimensional beings. And when we leave our body, we're taking, let's just say you take 90% of your consciousness with you. You're leaving a percentage automatically to maintain the biological function of the body. You know, soul is amazingly intelligent. Oh, yeah. Far beyond anything that we, we perceive in our, it's just as intellectual knowledge that we have in the biological machine. It's everything, these things are on automatic because we're non-physical. So the, the main thing is, is stay calm. When you have vibrations, when you have sleep paralysis, you stay calm and you direct your attention. Like the easiest way to do it is just direct door now. You direct your full attention to a locale beyond the body and you will go to where you direct. And that's the easiest way to initiate an out-of-body Hmm. And any random thought of your body, and you're going to snap right back to it. That's where the challenge is for people, is learning how to control the experience. Yeah, I really was impressed with the many techniques you have, the meditative techniques, the practical tools. That's that's what I try to teach in mediumship, and you've really honed this down to to step-by-step, step, this is how you do it, and I love that. You've had... You've been doing this for how many years? 45 years. 45 years. So when we say you're an yep. expert, you are. So here's a good uh, question, I, trying I, to put a, a put a definition to something that really is so much broader than our words. But how do you define the soul? Consciousness, pure consciousness beyond the all, beyond form. Pure awareness, pure consciousness beyond form. Form is a vehicle of consciousness, all form, whether it be a flower or a tree, an animal or a human, they're all vehicles of consciousness. And because consciousness is immortal, it doesn't matter how long it takes to evolve because we're immortal. 
and it's hard to wrap mm-hmm. our minds around this. And that's why the reincarnation process is necessary because you can't learn it all in one trip. And that's why <laughs> there's this vast, vast opportunities for experience. We learn by being and becoming what we wish to learn, essentially. If you want to know what it's like to be a human in the 20th century, you become a human in the 20th century. You don't read a book on the non-physical realities about being a human. You become a human. If you want to know what it's like to be a sequoia, you become a sequoia. That's the only way you're ever going to know something. And since we're immortal, it doesn't matter how long it takes. And that's the thing that's tough to wrap our minds around in this linear world. Spoken like somebody who's been there and become those types of things. Will you share with us some of your more mind-bending experiences? Well, what I would, it's not just mine, but I teach this, and that is it's possible. And matter of fact, some people have it spontaneously. During an out-of-body experience, stabilize your energy field by just using the affirmation. I teach affirmations like awareness down. It's very important to stabilize your energy field because we're multidimensional. And you awareness now will help to do that or stability now. And then during your out-of-body experience, demand to experience your higher self. That to me is the most mind-blowing experience you can possibly have. It goes beyond anything that I could possibly relate in words. It's possible to have a absolutely transcendental experience. It takes you beyond form, beyond your bodies, beyond to the very essence of what you are. It's beyond all words. And it's possible. I write about this in my books. I've been teaching it now for over 20 years, that we have the capacity to have these profound experiences of our true self. And that's where the answers are. That's where the true knowledge lies. The greatest problem facing humanity is lack of knowledge of self. Yeah. That's why there's wars yeah. and conflict. They don't know yeah. what they are. They don't know where they come from. Humans are incredibly ignorant of themselves. I mean, and I'm not being condescending. It's just look at it. Does anyone in your audience know where they come from and where they're going? I'm talking about specifically, not some generality. Oh, I'm soul and I'm going to go to heaven. That is not an answer. Where specifically are you going? Where specifically did you come from? Have you been there? Yes, that's why I, I write about it and I teach this. We have, but you can't describe it in words. Words don't give you that knowledge. You have to have your... That's why out-of-body experiences are valuable. It gives you an opportunity to experience your true self beyond all the facade, all the constructs, beyond all the three-dimensional forms that we use as vehicles and instruments of evolution. 
So and you said in your your important. very first experience when you were in college and you're, you're all of a sudden aware that your arm, you reached out your arm and it went through the wall. So clearly that wasn't your physical arm. When you travel yes. now, do you take your energetic body with you, your etheric body that looks like a body? Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. It depends, every, it's different. Um, generally, I'm in, at most, I'm in my astral body, which is still, it can be um, a facsimile thereof of my physical body. In other words, sometimes I still maintain my humanoid form, but it has far more capabilities. And then sometimes it's not. I, it's it's all in your vibration at the moment and where you're, you follow me? It's not, it's oh, not yeah. a single thing because we're, we're in flux. Mm-hmm. We're not a single thing. We're not, a, we're not a single, we're multidimensional beings. And it depends on where your state of consciousness is in that very moment. It depends on where your comfort level is. Mm-hmm. Some people never get beyond the three-dimensional body because that's what they've been programmed to be comfortable with. And I understand that there's a degree of safety and comfort to walk around in a body. Yeah. And that's what people create in the afterlife. You know, you know, no one, no one that's ever lived or died really has a body. No one that actually, no one has ever died. I'm just using this as a form Mm -hmm. because soul has never died. Consciousness has never died. That's right. But we, we use, out of comfort, we, we create instruments and vehicles of, for, to use to express ourselves. And right now, we're using these biological bodies. When people that are dead use facsimiles or replicas of their biological body. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that's what they are. It's it's the soul's car that it drives around for a little while, or the costume, right? A lot of metaphors. Yeah, yeah it's like the costume, and everybody's wearing a costume. So you've written and you speak that. about a continuum of consciousness. Can you yes. summarize that for us? If you start here, where well, does it start below us? Well, I, I, human I, I form. write about this in my latest book, Higher Self Now, about um, these levels of consciousness. Everybody thinks that death is the end. Death is the beginning of our journey. It's not the end. It's the beginning. In other words, we just left the crib. And now we're moving into these multi... The universe is a multidimensional continuum. That's what I know. I'm not speaking hypothetically. I know this. We From are experiencing it. Beings. Yeah. And... Yes, there's, there's, and we each, we have this amazing opportunity to experience these other dimensional realities, and each one will provide different opportunities for growth. That's so, amazing. Yeah. Now, I, I noticed that we, we did talk about this show when I put it online, that we were going to talk about the rules of the road for navigating the different realities. Yeah. What well, are some of the different rules? Well, I, I, that's a, I, when I use that term, it sounds so static. I use that term because the non-physical reality functions differently than physical reality. There's no air. There's no gravity. There's no mass. Sounds like you fun. Have a biological <laughs> body. 
but people don't understand that. That's what I mean. There's different, every dimension has its own kind of inherent, and rules is such a, uh, a limiting word, mm-hmm. but there's different functioning um, realities to each reality that we enter, each dimensional space. That's, I would recommend that people go to astroinfo.org and read. Mm-hmm. I have some very articles on there. You know, you don't have to buy a book. I, it's mm-hmm. just, they're free. Read some of the articles that I put on my website about the nature of reality in the afterlife and how it functions. About the fact that there is no air, there is no scratch. You know, these are important things to realize so that you're more effective. Most people die clueless of the reality they're going to enter. And they're not so, very effective because of this. Well, that takes me back to you experienced, um, you confronted your own mortality back in 2011. You'd already been astral traveling for decades. So how did that change things for you? You want to tell us what happened then? Well, I was diagnosed with uh, stage four cancer of the lymph nodes and tonsils. And it had a, it did have a major impact. It, it happened quite quickly by my, um, anyway, the, it shifted my gears in, in, at 2011. Since 2011, I've written two books about the afterlife. That was the major, I think that's why I had this experience. Uh, it was a life-threatening cancer, and it brought me, while I was recovering from stage four cancer, I wrote Adventures in the Afterlife based on my own experiences that I was having during my recovery for over five months. And it was a painful experience, but it, 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 up to 2011, I wasn't that interested in the afterlife mm-hmm. and its functioning. I was more interested in, in having, getting the most ex- profound knowledge I could from traveling on the astral. And that experience, let's just say, shifted me into this Uh, Since then, I've written two books. One is Higher Self Now about the nature of the afterlife. How does it function? And I tried to write it to the best of my ability, clear and concise, with no overlay of any religious BS about Mm -hmm. what did I see, what did I observe during my life-changing experience. Because I was having multiple out-of-body experiences. Well, Bill, most of my listeners uh, are drawn to this program because they have a a dear loved one across the veil. So can you summarize for us what you did experience and what you saw personally and and what we all have the opportunity to do if we learn your your techniques or others' techniques for out-of-body experience? The main thing is we don't have to depend on others. We have the ability to communicate with our own loved ones. Right. We all have that ability. The problem is that people limit themselves through this through out-of-body and through other, let's say, modes of consciousness, we have the ability to be empowered enough to communicate with our loved ones like I've done with my mother and others, face-to-face. And it's, it's, it, it's such, it's a remarkable experience. Tell us about it. Well, Just in general, the it, afterlife, it, is it, people think it's a place, but it's more of a state of mind, right? Oh, oh it's a state of consciousness. It's, it's endless places based on the state of consciousness 
of the collective involved. Right. And that's what people don't get. They think it is a place. It's not a place. It's a, it's a, everything is about states of consciousness. And the collectives are created by, let's just say, consensus states of consciousness that all agree to the same overview. Like here. And <laughs> Yes, that's what this is. Cities are a collective consciousness creation. Everybody agrees that this is real, let's, and we're going to all pretend it's all, let's all play along with it as real. Same as in the afterlife. And groups of people create collectives, and there's endless, there's, God knows, endless. There could be billions of these realities. No one knows. I don't, I can't even begin to imagine. And they all are run by the collective rules of the inhabitants. They all have their own limits that they bring into that reality. For instance, some believe there's still a three-dimensional being. So that right. that is inherent limit. But the big news is that we have the ability to communicate with our loved one face-to-face, to be empowered. There's The only thing limiting us is our own belief system that says, oh, no, you're not capable. You need to have an intermediator. You need yeah, to have I, someone else do it for you. Yeah, I and sat on the stage with you when, at, at the Afterlife Conference that I sat next to you and you were giving this message and I was thinking, you know, we wouldn't need mediums at all and that's okay with me because I just want everybody to know this, that, that our loved ones are fine and that you yes. don't have to wait for some long waiting list for a medium to, to get to talk to your loved ones. So this, your experiences that you teach people how to do go beyond after-death communication to full-face experiences like I had with my mom the very few days after she passed. I was there with her. I haven't had it since, and so I'm going to get your CDs back out again. I've, I know I am. <laughs> yeah, it's about self-empowerment because we have that ability because we are unlimited immortal soul it's but we have limited ourselves by this negative programming through our entire lives that oh you it's we have to depend on someone else we have to we're not good enough it's you know i'm not talented enough or i'm not good enough that's baloney you are good enough because we're all souls. Now, Bill, with just three minutes left in the show, believe it or not, what I loved most about what you shared at the Afterlife Conference was your spiritual understanding gained from traveling in our multidimensional universe. What have you learned at a soul level what this life is about? I mean, we could put it on two levels, this human life and this life in general as a soul. But how about here in human, human physical form? What have you learned spiritually? I think I think all of us are on our own individual journey, but compassion. Um, I think we we are as a let's say as soul we learn by being and by firsthand experience. Yeah, uh, and that's what's so important. We we learn love. We learn um, definitely how to how to become better of about ourselves how to understand others, how to communicate with others that are different from us. There's so many different things. Everybody's on their own journey. Everybody's learning from themselves. It's like children are the greatest lesson for many people, especially for, I think, especially for men, because you no longer are, you can't be self-centered and have children. You have to begin to give up the self-centeredness. 
and begin to think of them first. I, I have twin boys. <laughs> and I, I realized that as a young man. I had to give up my uh, this self-centeredness and start to give up. My life was devoted to raising two young boys to the best of my ability. And that's a training that you, we receive. We take it for granted, but we have to give up ourselves and begin to love others more than ourselves. And that's a, that's a deep lesson involved in the very act of like having children. Is that that's lesson carried over to all of the realities you visited? Yes. Every, each reality offers different opportunities for spiritual growth, different levels of it. That's the beauty of the system we're in. We're in a system of evolution of consciousness. Yeah. And each dimensional space provides different opportunities for us to learn and grow at our own pace. And that's what's so remarkable about it. And it's all voluntary. Yep, we, that's sometimes hard for us to understand that we agreed to come here for the challenges it offers. But you're showing us a way that, yeah, we learn our lessons here, but it could augment them by going to other realities. Bill, I want to thank you for coming on the show. We've been talking to William Buhlman, astral body, out-of-body experience tra- traveler. And his website is astralinfo.org. Thank you so much, Bill, for sharing your wisdom with us. My, my pleasure. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hi, I'm Jane Asher, and I believe, and from what I've been shown, that when our loved ones die, they don't really leave. They just slip into the next room. On my podcast, I explore the bigger picture surrounding life on Earth, and what follows when we do die. I speak with authors, friends, transition specialists, and other experts about every facet of death, dying, grief, hospice care, cultural traditions, and also our beliefs about that final journey and what we may end up facing. Please join me on the next room on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.